Good evening. We will call this meeting of December 18, 2023, the last meeting of the year. To order, please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The clerk will take the roll. Council members Fleming? Here. Larson? Here. Masolio? Here. Newland? Here. Robertson? Here. Soroya? Here. Mayor Sanders? Here. All right, we'll start off on the agenda at 4.1. We'll turn things over to the Chief of Police, Chief Padani. Good evening, Mayor, members of the Council. Um, before you tonight, um, we just have an um, uh, ordinance amendment proposal. Uh, to better ensure a safe and secure environment for the public, elected officials, and staff during public meetings in council chambers. We're recommending council waive first reading to adopt an emergency ordinance regarding uh, who's allowed on the dais during council meetings. Uh, section 3.06 in the city code allows for emergency ordinance um, by adoption of at least five council members in order to preserve public peace, health, morale, safety, or welfare. Um, if adopted, the ordinance will be published and posted in at least three conspicuous places until it has been published. Uh, this is part of more of a larger uh, comprehensive uh, security plan and audit we're working on, but this was one um, that was uh, requested to be brought forward as an emergency. Thank you very much for that presentation, Chief. Members, I'll accept a motion. So moved. Second. Moved by Council Member Robertson, second by Council Member Masolia. Any questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor of that motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion prevails. Communications, communicate for council or staff to provide any announcements or updates they might have for the good of the order. Are there any communications at this point in time? Seeing and hearing none, we will move along to the open forum. The open forum is an opportunity for the public to present an issue or concern to the city council. There is a maximum of 15 minutes set aside for the open forum. Each individual should limit their presentation to no more than three minutes. If your item needs follow-up from the city, staff will arrange for that follow-up. I want to thank everyone for being here this evening. Is there anyone that wishes to participate in the open forum this evening? Coming up, sir. As you're coming up, what I should say as well, we do have a few public hearing items this evening. Uh, so if you wish to speak on those public hearing items, you will have, a, you will have an opportunity during the public hearing. If you would, please uh, introduce yourself for the record. Um, I apologize in advance if I stumble a little bit, but this was the last minute decision to come on here and write down some notes. But I'm here tonight uh, regarding your support for the redesigned intersection at 117th and Ulysses Street. The decision was made to place a roundabout at that location instead of upgrading the intersection plus installing signals. I just learned of this decision a few weeks ago in watching the video of the November 20th. I recall several years ago when that intersection was upgraded, the city also had the conduit and cabling installed underground for future intersection upgrades, including signals. Anyway, now that you have given approval to move forward, I am asking that you reconsider your decision due to the following reasons. 
If you have never called 911 for an emergency, and especially for a critical call, let me assure you that time is of the essence. I personally have had to call 911 for medical emergencies on several occasions and know exactly what it's like waiting for help. <coughs> Excuse me. We have one of our major fire stations located down the street which utilizes this intersection frequently. We also have several ambulances and police vehicles that utilize this intersection frequently as we respond to 911 calls. Now we're going to slow down these large trucks and all emergency vehicles responding to 911 calls by installing this roundabout as they have to maneuver around the tight curves. Seconds count. <clears throat> I originally was gonna write an email to all of you, but after I heard and observed something yesterday, it forced me to come to this meeting tonight. The Fridley Fire Department also has to maneuver around about in order to get on the University Avenue southbound, which slows their equipment down dramatically. Then they add on another roundabout near another fire station on a main road, so now they have to slow way down to respond to 911 calls. So yesterday I was approaching the intersection and observed a police vehicle traveling emergency from the police department and then saw the fire department leaving the station emergency. While I was at the intersection, I observed how slow they had to go around the roundabout and then gather up speed just to get on the university and then gather up speed again. The call they were responding to was a five-month-old who was unresponsive and turning blue. The fire department was advised while trying to maneuver this roundabout that CPR was started on the baby. Do we really want this roundabout? The emergency vehicles need to get the calls quickly and safely, and we do not need roundabouts even though the cities think they are the best. In closing, I just hope that you would consider not doing roundabouts there or in the city so our emergency vehicles can respond quickly and safely to 911 calls. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Is there anyone else here this evening that wishes to participate in the open forum? All right, seeing none, we'll move along in the agenda to the approval of the consent agenda. All items listed under the consent agenda are considered to be routine in nature and will be enacted by one motion. There will be no separate discussion of an item on the consent agenda unless a member of council or citizen so requests, in which case that item will be removed from the consent agenda and placed in its normal sequence on the agenda. Members of motion, please. Move it. Move by Council Member Newland, second by Council Member Robertson. Any questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor of approval of the consent agenda, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion prevails. Moving along in the agenda to the section on public hearings. First up is agenda item 9.1, and we will turn things over to the city engineer. Thank you, Mayor and Council. Uh, the city received a petition on October 30th of this year from Lori Kruger, uh, representing Blaine 2002 LLC, requesting a vacation of an existing drainage and utility easement lying over uh, outlot A, a preserve at Lexington Waters. 
This property uh, was um, platted uh, some time ago for uh, housing, and uh, the developer chose at that time to encumber the entire outlot A with the drainage and utility easement. They are no, it is not needed uh, with what they had platted as they are replatting this into Lexington Water Second. Staff has reviewed the request and is in agreement with the vacation. Tonight we are asking council to conduct a public hearing and by motion adopt the resolution found in your packet. And with that, I would stand for questions. Thank you very much, Director Schulender. Appreciate the presentation. Uh, we'll do just that. We will, at this point in time, open the public hearing on agenda item 9.1. If there's anyone here today that wishes to participate in the public hearing on agenda item 9.1, you're welcome to make your, uh, make your way forward to the podium. Anyone interested in the public hearing on agenda item 9.1? All right, seeing none, I will close the public hearing on agenda item 9.1 and ask for a motion. I'll move it. Moved by Councilmember Masilia, second by Councilmember Robertson. Any questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. Next item scheduled for a public hearing is agenda item 9.2. We'll go back to you, Director Schlunder. Uh, thank you, Mayor. The city received a petition or an application, excuse me, for a land reclamation permit on November 8th uh, from Menominee Land 11 LLC. They, they are proposing to demolish the existing buildings, clear and grub the site, uh, and scrape the topsoil into a stockpile, which would be uh, located on the north edge of this site at 3100 101st Avenue. As they are proposing to move more than 5,000 cubic yards, uh, we are required to have for. Staff is recommending that the applicant be allowed to uh, work on this project from December 2023 through the spring of 24, at which time if they have not completed the site, they can come back and ask for a removal or an extension of this interim use permit. Uh, staff is recommending the hours of operation for this work be limited to Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. and 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturdays. We're also requiring that the applicant in install erosion control measures uh, and then stabilize the site when they are done. Uh, there is also a cash escrow required uh, until the project is complete. So tonight we are asking council to hold a public hearing and then uh, grant the interim use permit with the eight conditions that staff has outlined in the uh, resolution. And with that, I would stand for any questions. Thank you, Director Schlender. Appreciate that presentation. Again, at this point in time, I will open a public hearing on agenda item 9.2. there's anyone here interested in participating uh, in this public hearing, uh, you can make your way forward to the podium at this time. Going once, going twice. All right. We'll close the public hearing on agenda item 9.2, and members all accept a motion. Move it. Moved by Councilmember Fleming, second by Councilmember Newland. Any questions or discussion? <clears throat> Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor of agenda item 9.2, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. Next item on the public hearing is the uh, Truth and Taxation public meeting, and I will turn things over to our 
finance director. We'll let him get settled in. Uh, this is uh, Director Zimmerman, for those of you that are new. This is his first Blaine Truth and Taxation meeting, so we appreciate all of your hard work, uh, you and your team, the last several months, and uh, welcome you. Give you the floor. Thank you, Mayor and Council. <clears throat> Consistent with uh, Minnesota State Statutes 275, cities with a population in excess of 500 are required to hold a public meeting between November 25th and December 28th to discuss the proposed uh, 2024 property tax levy in city budgets. <clears throat> this truth and taxation meeting was established by the legislature in 1988 uh, to enhance public participation in Minnesota's property tax system. Uh, the final levy before council for consideration this evening represents a 15.62% increase compared to the 2023 property tax levy and is a one, approximately a $1.3 million reduction from the preliminary levy, which was adopted on September 18th by the city council and used by Anoka and Ramsey counties to generate proposed property tax statements, which were mailed to property owners in November. Um, as a reminder, the uh, final property tax levy uh, may not exceed the preliminary levy that was adopted in September. Um, following the pre presentation this evening, council will open up the meeting for public input um, and then at that time, consider resolutions to adopt, <clears throat> excuse me, adopt the, the final property tax levy and city budgets. So with that, I'll, I'll go through a presentation that staff has prepared. So th this evening's uh, meeting is intended to accomplish a, a number of things. First is the presentation of the 2024 property tax levy and city budgets. Um, at the conclusion of the presentation, council will have an opportunity to open up the meeting for public input and comments. As a reminder, the truth and taxation meeting within the regular city council meeting is to follow Robert's rules of order, um, which is standard protocol as outlined by the uh, Minnesota Department of Revenue for the truth and taxation meeting. Um, at that time, at the conclusion of public input, council have an opportunity to deliberate and then consider resolutions for adopting the tax levy and budgets for 2024. Um, as a reminder, uh, the truth and taxation meeting is not, not intended to discuss uh, parcel-specific valuations. There's phone numbers and links for uh, parcels located in Anoka and Ramsey County. Um, and as well, at the conclusion of the meeting, if any individuals have specific um, parcel-related tax computation questions, um, there will be an opportunity where at the, uh, outside the council chambers I'll discuss any of those. Um, topics with, with individuals if, they, if they'd like, so that opportunity will exist. So then lo looking at some general information about the city's budgeting practices in, in uh, the 2024 valuation. So there's a number of, of uh, principles that the city's established uh, to, to go through the, the budgeting process. They're listed here, but a couple that are important to consider, especially with the, the levy that's being considered this evening, is to fund operations at an adequate um, service level and reasonable cost, um, the preservation of structural balance and fund balance to, to mitigate risks, and then also the, the final one on the list here, to seek a connection between resources and results. Some of the objectives in, in the budgeting process is the top one there to, to focus on essential city services and funding the activities adequately, um, maintaining the city's public safety departments, investing in modern technology to improve, improve services and increase efficiency, um, enhancing the city's parks, trails, open spaces, and facilities, uh, as well as an efficient and transparent government and promoting citizen engagement. 
So there's a number of, of terms that will be used throughout the presentation this evening. I won't go through the, the full list here. Um, probably the most important is the first one there, which is, which is levy and um, is the impos uh, imposition of, of a tax. So when we talk about levy, effectively we're, we're talking about tax. A number of these other topics or uh, definitions will come up throughout the presentation. I'll try and address those as we go. So the, the property tax timeline really is essentially a, a full year cycle. Starting in January where property tax valuations are established, uh, value notices are mailed in February, property tax statements follow, first half statements are due in May, the preliminary levy is noted is established in December, uh, September with those notices following November along with second half property tax, uh, 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 second half property taxes mailed by the counties, and then the final levies are uh, required to be certified in December. So there's a, a number of reasons why uh, property taxes and, and levies change. So there's a number of them on the screen here, such as fluctuations in, in market values, um, levies at multiple jurisdictions, debt issuances, special assessments, and referendums. But to note that there, you know, a common misconception is that the property tax levy increase is directly related to new spending. Um, there can be changes in, in revenue sources um, as well as the items listed here that may impact the city's um, certified property tax levy. So there's a number of levy and assessment highlights. Um, first of which the, the presentation this evening includes a 15.62% uh, property tax levy increase from 2023. As a reminder, the preliminary levy was certified at a 19.16% increase um, back in September. These actions fully fund the city's operating costs as well as debt service and include a safe margin of about $317,000 to protect against delinquencies and uh, potential market conditions. Um, as well as the, the council's commitment to a transparent taxing environment there's a slide on this about other revenue sources that the city doesn't currently impose. The preliminary uh, tax rate, including the 15.62% the increase uh, this before the council this evening, would represent the second lowest tax rate the city has had in, in over 10 years. Um, the total citywide assessed market values are up about 11.4% from 2023. Um, Commercial industrial classifications are up almost 33%, and citywide new construction of nearly 300 million, and the residential portion of approximately 200 million. And to note that the median value single family home has increased by approximately 157% in the last 11 years to $327,400. Uh, keep that figure in mind throughout the presentation, as that's what's often used in many of the, the um, slides as an analysis. Um, so some of the uh, proposed budget highlights, first of which is the commitment to the city operating police department. Again, one of the largest police departments in the North Metro. This budget includes uh, the inclusion of two additional patrol officers. Um, advancements in the city's body-worn cameras um, program, um, and also the um, 10 additional vehicles in the city's fleet to ensure delivery of, of this service. Um, also, the city's... Uh, coordination with Spring Lake Park and Moundsview for SBM Fire as the, the department transitions to duty crew to ensure um, response times, um, as well as pre-funding for capital equipment for, for SBM Fire. 
um, as well as investment in the city's parks, equipment, roads, trails, open spaces, parks, uh, the completion of construction of the Banshell at Aquador Park, expected in 2024, um, as well as additional playground and park shelter enhancements and maintenance of the city's nearly 800 acres of open space. Um, as well as promoting uh, strategic redevelopment that's underway with 105th and, and Northtown, equitable compensation for city, uh, city staff. And important to note, the city of Lane continues to receive no local government aid from the state of Minnesota. The city also has received a AAA uh, credit rating from Standard & Poor's. I believe there's 26 cities currently receiving this, uh, this rating. I've just noted there that the city's uh, strong budgetary performance with operating surpluses over the last three years, supporting uh, strong reserves and liquidity, has played an important role in the city maintaining and achieving this AAA rating. So then we'll look at some valuation changes and tax impacts. Um, so the, the, the assessing process is, is somewhat complex in the state of, state of Minnesota. Um, the city coordinates with the, the respective counties to provide these services. Um, essentially, the, the assessed rate for the following year is set January 2nd of the prior year is intended to be defined as the usual or most likely selling price at that date. Those values are determined um, at, through evaluations of uh, market trends and sales data occurring in October and September prior to that January 2nd um, assessment date. So essentially sales data is looked at January 2nd of 23, that, that uh, most likely selling price is then used to determine the 2024 uh, market value for taxes. So there is a delay in, in the state's tax uh, property assessing process to determine taxes and important to know that. A high level view of the city's uh, assessed values and, and changes for uh, assessment of 2023 for pay 2024. Again, noting uh, um, the approximate $300 million of, of new construction um, led in the residential area. And again, the, the col column on the far right showing the percent change year over year, including new construction at 11.4%. Then just looking at the last five years and looking at estimated market value and tax capacity, um, estimated market value is that assumed or estimated selling price on January 2nd. Tax, the tax capacity is the market value, less any uh, exclusions or reductions applied, and then a tax uh, classification rate is applied to determine the tax capacity. Um, the, the, the charts relatively mirror one another. Um, 2023 was a, uh, a larger increase than the preceding three years. The 2024 increase isn't as significant as 23, but continues to, to demonstrate the trend of um, valuations, valuation increases within the community. Then looking at the, uh, the market cl or the classification of, of properties, um, Anoka County is represented to the left, excluding the city of Blaine. Blaine is uh, shown to the right. Generally speaking, uh, the, the makeup or composition of the tax base by area with three quarters being residential um, about 15 or 16% being commercial industrial, demonstrates that um, countywide as well as within the city of Blaine, relatively same um, market value composition. 
then further looking at the residential market drivers, again, the, the chart to the left shows Anoka County without the city of Blaine. The, mark, uh, the chart to the right shows only the city of Blaine. Um, Anoka County experienced a 4.3% market value increase with approximately 72% of that increase being from appreciation and 28% from new construction where the city of Blaine with about a 6.7% increase has a much more significant portion of increase as a result of new construction with nearly 35%. Further, looking at the, the city of uh, Blaine's um, comp or, uh, taxes for pay 2023 compared to comparable cities. So this analysis is looking at the city's tax capacity rate multiplied by the median value residential property in that community. Looking here, you can see Blaine is the second lowest uh, near Coon Rapids at the bottom, and again shows a, a favorable uh, uh, taxing uh, charge when compared to these comparable cities. Then looking at the 2023 tax statements, um, just important to review to understand the city of Blaine's uh, portion that's displayed on the tax statement. Uh, there's several lines. It's important to note that, that line eight, which is indicated as city or town, is the portion, portion with which the, the city council uh, for the city of Blaine has authority to levy and, and the action that they take is reflected here. Um, important to note that this is a, a parcel that's in the Spring Lake Park um, School District. So some of the, the statements may vary slightly um, according to watersheds and school districts, but generally speaking, um, it's consistent and just important to note that line eight represents the city of Blaine. Then on the sample parcel, just looking at the 2023 distribution of taxes paid, um, you can see the school districts at about 40% and the city of Blaine's at approximately 31% with those other taxing authorities uh, representative on, on the, the dollar bill here. So then looking at the proposed budget and city-based property tax levy, during the, the, the planning process and the budget workshops and discussions that occurred with staff and council, it's, uh, staff was tasked with um, reviewing the strategic priorities and ensuring compliance with the requests for enhancements or modifications to their budgets. Um, the, the strategic plan was adopted in 2023 and was an update of the existing plan that was approved in 2020. As noted here, the plan consists of six strategic priorities which are intended to, to represent the greatest importance of the city over the next four years. And again, the strategic priorities serve as a roadmap ensuring proposed investments reflect council policy direction. Then understanding the, the city's services that they provide, again, being different than the county or, or school district, uh, leading the way with public safety and, and public works, as well as parks and recreation, community development, finance administration and engineering. When looking at the general proposed 2024 general fund budget, um, it's important to note that the city's um, anticipating some moderate, moderate decreases in permits and licensing due to uh, building construction activity and some increases in inter intergovernmental revenue uh, as a result of a victim services specialist position that the city's budgeted for. And then when looking at the expenditures, approximately 63% of the overall increase uh, is related to public safety, police, fire, community standards. 
And as noted at the bottom of the 2024 budget column, the increase represents, a, there is a 12% increase from 2023. Just important to note, again, that changes in expenditures are not directly uh, connected with levy increases. Um, again, revenue fluctuations and other taxes may, may impact uh, the, the levy ask of the council. So understanding the, the property tax system in the state of Minnesota, um, attempting to, to, to simplify the process, essentially the, the council determines a property tax levy. It's divided by the overall tax base to determine a, a property tax rate. That rate is then applied by the taxable market value and that that determines the taxes owed by the, uh, the individual property owner. So the levy components uh, for the 2024 budget, the 10 year average from 2015 to 2024 is an approximate 9.7% increase annually. Um, the city's debt levy is increasing uh, in connection with the city's commitment to investing in infrastructure and also important to note the, 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 um, before council this evening is consideration to include $100,000 and the creation of a capital equipment levy uh, to assist with pre-funding the replacement of vehicles and equipment in lieu of debt. Then looking at alternative revenue sources um, with the same communities that were on the comparable slide earlier with 2023 taxes, it's important to note that the city of Blaine does not re receive local government aid, does not impose an electric or gas franchise fee, does not have a local option sales tax, and also doesn't have municipal liquor operations used to offset operating costs. All of the other uh, communities represented here have at least one element of those other revenue sources, which then help buy down the property tax levy. Then reflecting back on that median valued single family home at a market value of $327,400, going through the mathematical exercise again, with a market value exclusion, results in a taxable market value of just under $320,000 when multiplied, multiplied by the estimated class rate of 33.216%, results in a uh, 2024 pro approximate property tax bill of $1,062. Now looking at the preliminary pay 2024 taxes with the same comparable cities, um, there's a line that represents what was adopted in, in September, which would result in that estimated tax bill at 1,098 with the actions uh, before council this evening to reduce that levy down um, to that 15% amount results in that median property tax value uh, or median single family home at $327,400 their tax bill at that $1,062 amount. Again, demonstrating the overall tax bill is, is very favorable compared to these other comparable cities. Then just running through that mathematical scenario, um, kind of in a different format here, looking at the final 2023 tax bill for this median value property that experienced a 2.18% uh, increase going from a value of 320,400 to 327,400 shows the tax bill uh, for 2023 at $992 with the preliminary levy at 1,098 and what's before the council this evening resulting in a tax, approximate tax bill of $1,062 or a 7% increase. 
Then looking at this monthly allocation of city taxes at, of approximately $88.47, um, again, with, with the largest uh, sections being uh, safety services, which are the police and fire operations of the city, public works and recreation at $17.27, and then capital and debt at $13.45, and the, the other three smaller section generally representing the city's uh, administrative operations. Now looking at the assessed median value single family home tax trends, um, just showing over a long duration, the, the city's re essentially established a relatively consistent um, uh, relationship between the median value residential property and the total city tax. Again, with the far right column representing the median value single family home at $327,400 and that uh, estimated tax bill of $1,062. This slide represents the total levy and the tax capacity rate for the city. So as the city recovered through the, the recession of, of the end of 2008, 9, 10, um, the, the tax rate has been rel was relatively consistent up until 2023 where it was reduced significantly as you can see on the slide, although the levy did increase and the proposed property tax rate for pay 2024 is an increase from 23, but continues to represent a reduction from the preceding 10 years. So now looking at the truth and taxation statement, um, just as background, staff's received one public uh, inquiry since the statements were, were mailed as of December 15th. The question was in regard generally to the city's property tax increase that was on the supplement on the back side of the, the proposed statement the uh, uh, tax or property tax owner uh, received. Um, the notices were mailed between November 11th and 24th. And again, it, um, statutorily, uh, cities with populations over 500 are required to hold public meetings to discuss the tax levy between November 25th and December 28th. So just looking at the truth and taxation notices, um, it includes the estimated market value and taxable market value in the top right-hand corner, as well as the preliminary taxes for all taxing jurisdictions. The only note is that it doesn't include the potential for voter-approved referendums in that current year. So just zooming in a little bit here, it includes the estimated market value, homestead exclusion, other potential exclusions or deferrals, then determines the taxable market value as well as the property classification. The sample parcel we're using for, uh, to examine this evening is relatively similar to the, uh, the median value property. Um, and uh, just in comparison, this property is going up by 1.3% in value as opposed to the median at 2.18% or about a $300 difference. So an important concept to understand through this process is the phase out of the homestead market value exclusion the maximum exclusion is 40% of the value of property up to $76,000, um, and then is phased out at 9% in value over 76,000. So just looking at the, the change in exclusion on this parcel for this evening, um, it's a reduction of $387 approximately, the, the, the phase, continued phase out of this exemption. And it's important to note, um, the legislation took action in the 2023 session that will increase the homestead market value exclusion of 40% of property value up to $95,000 for 2025 taxes payable. So it continues to remain at the 76,000 limit for 2024. 
And the other important element uh, to discuss through this process is our, our tax class rates. Generally speaking, residential homesteads are at a 1% rate up to $500,000 in value, and all values in excess of $500,000 at a class rate of 1.25%. Um, generally speaking, again, it's as of January 2nd of the preceding year. Um, if the parcel is not in use, um, it's classified according to the most probable use by the assessor. And the only real note here legislatively for uh, 2025 is the 4D class rate will be taxed fully at a 0.25% class rate for taxes payable in 2025. And looking at the truth and taxation notice, um, what's important here to consider is that the, the levies can be reduced but not increased. So for this sample parcel, the increase for the city taxes is, is shown there at 9.6%. The estimated tax with the levy that's before council this evening and that's reduced from that is about 6% 6, 6 for 2024. Um, for this parcel, the preliminary levy in total is up $96.22 or 9.6%. Um, and again, the, the TNT levy um, is up about $60 or 6%. Additionally, the supplemental budget information insert, which is found on the back side of the, the proposed um, tax statement, uh, there are significant legislative changes since it was enacted in, in 2023. Um, essentially, there is a, a, an attempt to include revenues and expenditures that's been modified to only show the levy increase for all taxing authority or cities and towns and school districts on, on the, uh, the insert for 2024. So this is the uh, uh, um, snip of the backside of the tax statement showing the insert. Um, again, it shows the actual 23 levy, the proposed 24 and the change. Again, doesn't include vo uh, potential voter approved referendums. Um, and again, important to notice here that the, uh, the TNT levy that's before council this evening represents an 18.46% reduction from the proposed uh, levy and also the the final levy that's adopted by the council um, is not communicated any further in this sort of format to the to the public. So then, just looking at potential property tax relief programs, the state of Minnesota offers two programs to owners of homesteaded properties and rentals. Um, there's a regular property tax refund and a special property tax refund. Um, there's lots of uh, information available at the link at the bottom of this slide. Uh, Important to note that the special property tax refund uh, was adjusted for those who experienced increases of more than 6% for, from 22 to 23, which I believe was a reduction uh, that was taken up during the legislative session and had previously been 12%. Um, but again, there's much more information located um, at the, the link at the bottom of the slide here. Then additionally, there is a state-run um, senior citizen property tax deferral program um, this program has underwent several modifications recently with adjustments to household income and uh, length of residency. Um, the information listed here on this slide is just uh, some of the items that are required for uh, participation in the program. But again, as an attempt by the state to allow seniors potentially on fixed incomes experiencing increases in, in their property taxes to, to remain in their home. And so now uh, action items uh, for the council this evening. 
Um, so at the conclusion of the presentation, um, the council have an opportunity to open up the meeting for public input, as well as council deliberation and discussion. And then at that time at the conclusion, uh, councils, or staff is asking council to consider uh, resolution adopting the property tax levy in the 2024 city budgets. So with that, I'll turn it back over to the mayor and stand for any questions. Thank you, Director Zimmerman. Really appreciate uh, that presentation. Very informative, very thorough. Thank you very much. Uh, we will do that at this point in time. We will go ahead and open up the public hearing for the Truth and Taxation meeting. And again, we won't get in a back and forth on your personal property tax statement, but if you do have questions about that, staff has said they will uh, make themselves available. But any questions you have, any comments you wanna make, we'd love to hear from you. On those, I will request that each speaker please limit their uh, comments to three minutes, but we'd love to hear from everyone that wishes to participate. So with that, I'll open the public hearing. Is there anyone here this evening that wishes to participate in the Truth and Taxation meeting? You're welcome to come to the public podium here. Going once, going twice. All right, no takers this year. All right, well, at this point in time, we will close the uh, public meeting on the truth and taxation, and members, I'll accept a motion. Moved by Council Member Fleming. Second. Second by Council Member Newland. Questions and discussion? Seeing and hearing none. Council Member Masolia, seeing you. Go ahead. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I can say something. Um, you know, first of all, I want to thank our, our new Blaine Finance Director, uh, Zimmerman, and all of our finance staff. Uh, especially want to give a big shout out to uh, Jenna, uh, our finance analyst, uh, really stepped up. Um, you know, this was, this was a tough year. You guys came in halfway through the budget process and really worked to put together a balanced budget for us, uh, helped us maintain our AAA bond rating, and... Um, you know, obviously it's a pretty chaotic year. We're, you know, dealing with a recession and um, people are struggling with inflation. We had a lot of staff turnover, you know, dealing with fraud and just all kinds of stuff. And so I just really want to say thank you guys. You guys uh, really did a good job. Um, you know, for me personally, a 15% increase in, in the tax levy is a really um, tough pill to swallow um, but I do want to just thank my council colleagues for, for kind of coming together to negotiate a lower tax levy increase than what was proposed at 19%. And um, I do feel some responsibility to support the budget this year um, just due to our negotiations. And uh, one thing that wasn't highlighted was we are trying to offset uh, the tax increase with some use of the Strategic Priorities Fund. And that does take a super majority vote of council. So um, I will be supporting the budget this year. Um, but, you know, going forward, I, I really think it's imperative that we work together collaboratively to reduce our spending. Um, you know, I think we, we need to not look at, um, you know, our city budget through the lens of how can we increase our revenue and how can we, you know, get more money coming in. But I really think we need to take a look at you know, where can we reduce spending? Where can we cut some costs? Um, other municipalities may rely on things like sales tax, franchise fees. Um, but if you look at a lot of those municipalities' budgets, a lot of times those are going to very specific projects like community centers or, 
you know, kind of regional park amenities. So, um, again, I, I just want to thank staff. I want to thank my council colleagues and just say that um, I, I will be voting in support of this tonight. Um, but I, I really do hope that we can look at ways to kind of level out our spending because I just I really don't feel like an average increase of 9% every year is uh, something that, that I want to continue to be doing and, and putting on the people of Blaine. So uh, I would really like to see that leveled out. But um, uh, I just want to make those be my comments tonight. So thank you. Thank you, Councilmember Masolia. Councilmember Robertson. Thank you, Mayor. Yeah, I want to echo uh, my colleagues' comments. Our staff has been really phenomenal this budget cycle. And budget cycle literally started in, I don't know, March. You got here in September. We have had some change in staff. Jenna, you've been an absolute rock star, and you need to hear that, and you need to believe that, because you came into every workshop in really difficult situations where none of us were on the same page, and you came in there with the information, and we got it figured out where we could all be agreeable. So thank you for being patient with us. We're not the experts. You guys are. And, you know, this is the most difficult part of our job, really, because the responsibility that we have is so much greater than what plays out on your property tax statement. I was having a conversation a couple weeks ago with someone, like, for, for context, one of our projects that we have for public works, this is our fundamental responsibility, public works, public safety, infrastructure, this is your city's responsibility. One project that we have slated for 2025 for sewer, Maintenance, sewer maintenance, sewer infrastructure maintenance. Do you know what the cost is on that project? $10 million. This is the gravity of how much it costs the city of Blaine to make sure that our residents have water, have sewers, have roads. There was not significant investments in the streets in the city of Blaine for almost 15 years. We did nothing. We're playing a little bit of catch up. This is going to sting a little bit, but I can tell you that this staff worked so very hard. We told them take off lawnmowers, take off snow plows. Now, again, snow plows, you wouldn't think those would be a gazillion dollars, $500,000. That's how much one snow plow costs. We needed three. We have 34 square miles in the city of Blaine. And you know what the number one complaint is that I've gotten in the last five, six years as a council member? Your streets being cleared and your sidewalks being cleared. That's Excellent law enforcement agency that we have. Nobody wants to do that. We want to continue to support Blaine PD. Blaine PD, PD and SBM Fire are amazing assets to our community. So what looks crazy and insane, when you look back, even I think it was slide 24, Jason, if you look at like 2020, 2021, 2022, those were those COVID years, right? Do you know what we asked this staff to do during that time? Don't spend a single dollar. Don't spend a single dollar. All of the spending that came out of the city was all federal grant money, was CARES and ARPA funds. That's how we were keeping the city running without putting that burden onto you guys. We get it. We have families. We pay taxes. Workforce costs are high. Building costs are high. Inflation is ridiculous. And the public sector, the government, this local government is not exempt from that. I also want to give a big thank you to Michelle because we were very, very, very hard on Michelle. This woman right here is a saint because none of us want to take your tax dollars like this. On a tax statement, it makes your eyeballs want to pop out of your head. Michelle, truly, and I mean this because you answered every single annoying question that I asked. I know Masolia asked way more annoying questions than I did, and you answered every single one of them. So thank you for being patient to, patient to my new colleagues. who This was your first budget cycle. It's a lot. 
He's like my fifth or sixth one, and I still think it's a lot. So thank you for being patient with the process, and thank you to staff, and thank you to our director level um, staff as well, because you guys made cuts, and you didn't want to, and you did it anyways, because we're trying to be the best gatekeeper of your tax dollars. We are doing our absolute best. So, I mean, again, thank you. Thank you, Chris, for you know being flexible to try to figure all this out. It's, it's gonna sting for a little bit, but we're gonna get it right. We really want you guys to love where you live. We want you to find value in every dollar that you pay through your taxes. And so it, it's not ideal. This is literally the worst part of our job, and it's like our most important and fundamental responsibility. So I just wanted to make those comments. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Councilmember Robertson. Any other questions or comments? Here. Councilmember Newland. Thank you, Mayor. I would also agree with the comments that two of my colleagues made. The, uh, for clarification, the first conversation I had about the budget was in January. I mean, it starts when the last one ends, and we start talking about what we need to do, what we missed, and uh, where we go. Um, it truly was a, a challenging period of conversations. I thought this thing was dead a couple of times. I mean, it was stagnating for a while, but uh, it did move forward, and I think that's to everybody's um, accommodation here. I mean, we, we did work together. We are playing catch-up, as Councilmember Robertson said, on a number of different things, and that will probably continue for a little while. Um, the only area within the city that is truly seeing an increase is uh, the police department. We are, we are investing in public safety, which is our first and foremost role as a city, and the, the chief has done an outstanding job um, in, in working with the dollars that we have. So I do support the budget as well. I appreciate the comments that have been made about my colleagues supporting it. So let's go. Thank you. Any final questions or comments? Seeing and hearing none, Councilmember Fleming renews her motion. All those in favor of that motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. Next item on the agenda is development business. And uh, we'll invite our city planner up, and I believe we're going to do a presentation on 10.1 and 10.2 together. Excellent. Thank you. We will welcome the city planner. feet of office building, which is existing today, and... Um, 8,700 square foot residence on the fifth floor of this existing building and uh, parking structure, which is also in this existing building at 4321 109th Avenue, which is Infinite Campus. Um, the property is surrounded by farm residential um, properties. Lochness Park is to the north and to the south across 109th is Home Depot and at home um, store. And that is also zone development flex. Uh, this is the existing site plan. This is what is out there today. In 2007, a conditional use permit was approved for a two-story office building, which was 110,580 square feet. And then in 2015, that CUP was amended uh, for an office expansion, which included an auditorium in the single-level parking structure. Uh, so today there's 213,295 uh, square feet of building when you combine all those together. And the... Uh, Request tonight for the CUP is to add an 8,700 square foot residence uh, in the existing building. No new development is proposed at this time. Uh, Planning Commission held a public hearing on November 14th. Uh, no one was present from the public, and I have not received any comments to date. 
Uh, the Planning Commission recommends approval of the rezoning and of the conditional use permit, uh, as does staff, and I'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much for that presentation. Sheila, we'll take these one at a time, members, and I'll accept a motion on 10.1. Move it. Moved by Councilmember Newland, second by Councilmember Robertson. Any questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor of that motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. Members next, a motion please on 10.2. Moved by Councilmember okay. Fleming, second by Councilmember Masolia. Any questions mm -hmm. or discussion to this item? Councilmember Soroya. Thank you. I just want to recognize um, you know, this property, I think, I really appreciate how, just what an amazing job you've done with this building and this property and this business. I know you employ hundreds of people, mainly Blaine residents, so I just wanted to put that out there, that I, I really appreciate all that you do for the city and for this community. Um, I know you have a charitable, charitable arm of um, Infinite Campus that addresses um, youth mental health and behavioral health, and it's really, I, I think it's um, underappreciated how much work you really are doing for this community. So um, so I support this, you know, because it is a private remote property. It's like, you know, they said it's surrounded by farm residential, um, and the properties across from you are development flex. Um, but I think I just want to also put out there that you have done so much great work for this community, and you are a real hero to a lot of us. So thank you for that. Thank you. Any other questions or comments? Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor of that motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. Next item on the agenda is agenda item 10.3. We'll go back to the city planner. Thank you, Mayor Council. Um, item 10.3, our zoning code updates. Um, after a major code revision in 2020, staff continues to identify a need for ongoing revisions to keep our code current. Uh, throughout the year, staff tracks language that is confusing, out of sync with other cities, and may raise legal issues or are directed from council. Uh, staff then reviews those potential changes in the fall, and we prepare a draft ordinance, which is before you tonight. This year, um, in addition, we had did, um, we conducted a parking study, um, and that is also included in, um, in the process tonight. Uh, some of the legal changes, uh, we made some changes to the non-conforming use. Uh, for uses and structures um, to be consistent with state statute. Uh, we've added a procedure to review for our environmental review documents, EAW, EIS, AUAR. Uh, we have been doing a review process, but now we're making it part of our code. And then update language on escrows collected with single family home permits. Again, that's just to clarify the language of what we're actually doing. Uh, we wanted to improve some clarity in our farm fence setbacks. There was some conflicting information in there. Now, doesn't apply to a whole lot of properties in Blaine, but we need to make sure that the language is something that everybody can understand. Uh, we did a clarity on types of repair allowed on vehicles in commercial and industrial districts, basically defining what those are, and then replacing um, the word church with places of worship. Some highlights for our parking ordinance. Uh, for supermarkets, discount houses, mail order outlets, retail stores, and other stores with high customer volume, currently our requirement is one per 200, and that also falls into general retail. Um, what we're proposing to change it to is for the first 100,000 square feet of uh, retail space, you need to meet the normal requirement of one per 20. That's what we have today. And then adding that all other square footage over 100,000 uh, square feet will need to meet uh, um, one per 350 square feet. 
Um, and then also the number of parking spaces provided shall not exceed the minimum requirement by more than 10%. Uh, we looked at different communities, both locally and nationally, and this seems to fit with, um, with what other communities are doing for these larger uh, retail boxes. So some examples that we have outlined is think about the existing Coles property um, at National Market Center. That building is 88,400 square feet. Um, right now, we require 418 um, parking stalls if we did the one per 200, and they are providing 524. If we're saying that you can't exceed 10%, they're over by 65 stalls. Uh, another example is the Walmart on Highway 65. That's a 148,124 square foot building. Right now, the requirement is 667 stalls. Uh, they're providing 711. If we add that not to exceed 10%, they're over by 10 stalls. Uh, we also have a caveat in there that um, the zoning administrator may expand the parking requirement if the applicant demonstrates in documented form a demand which is different than our requirement uh, it's based on the specific use and purposes. Because um, if they can show that there is actually the demand, then we wouldn't necessarily cap it. We did make some changes, or proposing some changes to restaurants and event center. Uh, right now, the establishment of handling the sale and consumption of food and refreshment on the premises. Uh, we're adding parking requirements for takeout only. We don't have that in our code right now. So this is no dining area, it's just takeout only. Um, it's one per 275 um, stalls for the pickup area. And then event centers, auditorium, private clubs, lodges, and other places of assembly, not including places of worship. We added event center here and removed that requirement um, of a minimum of one per 200 feet of dining area. And we're, at, we're proposing to change it to one space for every two seats of seating capacity plus spaces for employees. Seems to be more consistent with what um, the event centers we've have reviewed um, have proposed. Uh, part of the direction that council gave uh, staff was to look at drive-throughs. And so we're proposing to actually add some stacking requirements in our code. Uh, so for instance, for pharmacies, uh, if you have one lane, your stacking is five cars. If you have two lanes, it's three cars per lane, and these are minimums. Uh, for banks, one lane is six, and two lanes you need to have four per lane. If it's a co coffee shop, you have to have a stacking of 10 for one lane and a stacking of six per lane for two. And then all other is stacking of six for one lane and a stacking of six per lane for two. Uh, we also added that um, your stacking can't interfere with parking spaces or traffic circulation. So you, you can't have your um, stacking lined up in an actual drive aisle or you know, lined up behind parking spaces. Right now we don't have that requirement. Uh, we are proposing to add a fence or screening shall be con um, constructed along the property line if it's abutting a residential zone. We don't have that in our code right now. Um, some of the uses have required a conditional use permit. We've added that to the conditional use permit. Now we're asking to make that as actually a code requirement. Um, if canopies are covering the drive-through, any support columns should be constructed with the same design and materials as those used on the building. Uh, most of them do that already, but it's nice just to have that in the code so we don't have to make it a condition. And then um, sites with drive-through services shall be designed in a manner that allows drivers not using the drive-through or wishing to exit the drive-through with a bypass lane. Now we currently do that when they come through with a conditional use permit. However, some of these are permitted uses and they don't necessarily allow that. So if you're waiting in line and decide, oh, I don't actually want to order, this gives you the opportunity to be able to leave the line. Just a summary of some of the um, changes. We've looked at um, parking cell size, sizes. We're allowing them to actually be shorter than what we've required. Um, removing traffic islands, um, 
single family limits, we had something in our code that said you in single family you were allowed or you were limited to only have four parking stalls in your driveway. Well, I'm not really sure why that was in there, so we're just taking that out because a lot of our driveways can have more than four. Um, automobile repair, we defined that. Brewery, we um, changed some of the parking there. Places of worship, again, um, ch changing church to places of worship. Um, we looked at the tap room, parking, um, drive throughs we just went through that, event center. Movie theater, we did it per seat instead of capacity. Uh, our school district, or for schools, we had the high school, it was two parking stalls per student. Um, so that didn't really make sense because a student wouldn't drive two cars. Um, so we changed that. Um, senior housing, um, we actually put a requirement in. We didn't have that at the time. That was just based on the conditional use permit. Um, and we went over the retail. And then proof of parking is something that we are adding where um, we've done this several times through a conditional use permit. But proof of parking is when a requirement is, let's say they the requirement is 200 stalls, but in reality, their business really only needs 100 stalls. They can show us in a design of proof of parking that this is where I can get the additional stalls, and if it does become a parking problem, uh, then we can enforce that and make them install those additional stalls. Um, planning Commission held a public hearing on November 14th. Uh, we've had no comments received. The Planning Commission recommends approval, and as does staff, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much, Sheila, for a great presentation. Members, I'll accept a motion on 10.3. Move it. Moved by Councilmember Robertson, seconded by Councilmember Newland. Any questions or discussion? Councilmember Masolio. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, uh, Sheila, for these proposed revisions. I think they're great. Um, the stacking can't interfere with parking spaces. I know that there's a few areas in the city where you know I've discussed with staff uh, some of the concerns with that. We can't go back and change that. They're legal non-conforming at this point, correct? Mr. Mayor, yes, that is correct. We would not be able to change that, but going forward, we can implement that if you adopt this language. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, I also think the parking change for event centers is great. Um, uh, one thing that I would continue to encourage staff to take a look at is the smaller retail under 100,000 square feet. Um, I was just at Starbucks the other day and people were literally like parking in front of the door along the curb because <laughs> there wasn't enough parking. Somebody got hit in the parking lot. but. Um, you know, I think some of those smaller, under 100,000 square foot retail spaces are definitely kind of getting congested. So, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I would just encourage, uh, if council's amenable to that, um, that staff kind of continue to look and see if there is anything that we can do, if there is anything that other cities are doing, uh, because I have noticed that um, in some of those kind of smaller retail areas. So, Any other questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none, Councilmember Robertson renews her motion. All those in favor of the motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. <coughs> Last item under development business is agenda item 10.4, and we will go to our city clerk. Mayor and Council, uh, this is a summary ordinance um, that um, allows us to publish um, a much shorter version of uh, the previous ordinance um, for um, uh, cost savings. So it's just a summary ordinance of the parking. Thank you. Thank you very much for that, Kathy. Members of motion, please. Move it. Moved by Councilmember Second. Newland, second by Councilmember Masolia. Any questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor of that motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails.
Moving along to administration. Next item up is agenda item 11.1. We'll go back to the city clerk. Mayor and council, um, this is second reading of the uh, fee schedule, removing the fee schedule from city code and placing it in a schedule that is uh, available uh, separately just to save costs on um, updates. Uh, the code, the uh, proposed fees um, are, are listed and um, no comments or changes have been received since first reading. So staff recommends approval of the ordinance as presented. Thank you very much. Members, I'll accept a motion on 11-1. Move it. Moved by Council Member Newland. Second. Second by Council Member Larson. Any questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none. All those in favor of that motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? No. That motion prevails. Next item on the agenda is 11.2, and we will go back to the city clerk. Mayor and Council, this is a summary ordinance for the fee schedule that was uh, just adopted, again, for the same reason, to allow for savings for publication. So uh, as presented, uh, summary of Ordinance 23-2537. Thank you very much. Members, a motion, please, on 11-2. Move it. Moved by Council Member Newland, second by Council Member Fleming. Any questions or discussion to this item? Seeing and hearing none. All those in favor of the motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? No. That motion prevails. Moving along, agenda item 11.3. We'll bring back Director Zimmerman, who is already here at the table. Thank you. Switching sides on us. Back to your normal spot. Uh, all right. We'll turn things over to you on 11.3. Thank you, Mayor. Council. Um, while there's no statutory requirement for the formal adoption of a capital improvement program or CIP, uh, Blaine's long-term financial planning is a hallmark that's allowed the city to proactively plan and prepare for the future, as well as the contribution to the city's AAA credit rating by S&P, as noted earlier, uh, a rating achieved by only 26 other communities. Um, the CIP represents a framework for planning and preservation and expansion of capital, infrastructure, facilities, and equipment. Um, it sets forward the estimated schedule, timing, and details of improvements by year, along with the cost and sources for repayment. Um, following the presentation, uh, council will be asked to approve resolutions, um, which uh, serve to inform, the, and the, the presentation serves to inform the community of council's intent and strategic goals. Um, with that, we'll start with the presentation. Um, we'll cover a, a few items here in regards to the CIP, the purpose, process, and benefits. We'll discuss the categories, um, the, the total investment, an overview of the categories, and then finally uh, the action requested of council. So the purpose of the CIP, um, generally uh, the city's capital improvement program provides a, a working blueprint for the city's capital investments and reflects an assessment of the community's needs. Um, the CIP is a planning and fiscal management tool used to manage the location, timing, and financing of these improvements over a five-year period. And annually, city staff is tasked with providing a recommended CIP to the council for adoption, which reflects the city's changing needs, priorities, and funding opportunities. Uh, this slide is a, a very simplistic uh, representation of the CIP process. Obviously, there's a significant number of inputs that in, in play 
But essentially, there's the, the process starts with a project submission, evaluation and ranking, a financial analysis, a plan preparation, and the review and an annual update, um, at which time completed projects, projects that are no longer, no, no longer feasible or desired are removed, and the cycle essentially continues and starts over. Um, the CIP is a planning document, so it's, it's really intended to, to assist policymakers and staff to plan for major capital improvements, renewals, and replacements. Um, as, as a planning document, the CIP does not bind the city to anticipated expenditures in future years. Um, it is not a budget, and it is not an authorization to expend funds. Uh, the authorization uh, to expend funds comes from formal council action. Um, the CIP process... Um, uh, identifies outlays and prioritization of those outlays and it's intended to provide a realistic uh, projection of future needs and investments. There's a number of benefits um, to the, the coordination of a CIP. It, it synchronizes capital and operating budgets. It identifies the economical means for financing. It balances the need of existing systems and those generated by private development. It assists in evaluating competing demands. It links the city's strategic plan with community objectives and fiscal capacity and informs the public about the city's planned investments. So some of the considerations of the CIP um, include the, the city's existing infrastructure, um, the likely need or demand for the improvement, the costs, public resources, potential debt, the benefits and alternative uses of funds, uh, ongoing operating costs, and alternatives for providing the services. Next, we'll look at the overall 2024 to 2028 CIP summary. Um, looking at it by categories, effectively the CIP is broken out by facilities, transportations, parks, utilities, and capital equipment. Um, general descriptions of, of these categories are uh, on the screen here. Um, generally speaking, it's consistent with uh, general expectations um, with the specific note of capital equipment. It includes really all major equipment as well as rolling stock and technology components that the city has. The total investment included in the 24 to 28 CIP is just over $195 million. Uh, graphically displayed here, uh, the utility infrastructure is the, the largest component at over $106 million with a million dollars of facilities, $69 million of transportation, $12 million of parks, and about $6.5 million of capital equipment. So then looking uh, section by section or by chapter. Um, the, the overall facilities is a $1.1 million uh, capital investment. Um, and again, the, the intent is to ensure the city's facilities are safe, effective, and welcoming environments for staff to work and the public to access municipal services, as well as the city council and advisory groups to conduct business. Um, the facilities fund was established to centralize efforts around maintenance and improvements while de developing uniform processes for evaluating needs. Some of the notable 2024 projects include um, new uh, high-speed overhead doors, which will improve safety around uh, uh, the entrances and exits of the city's facilities, um, some pavement work around public works and the police department, and some much-needed boiler repairs at public works.
Next, looking at the transportation section, that's 69 million over the, the five years. Um, again, it's important to invest in transportation um, as the network provides for the movement of people and goods, allowing for continued economic vitality. Um, it supports residents and visitors access to work, school, recreation, um, and commerce in a safe and effective manner. Uh, it continues to, to build upon the city's pavement management program, which was established in 2019. Um, and and there's seven, essentially 17 projects in 2024 with appropriations of nearly $18 million and crack ceiling at about $300,000. The next slide here um, is consistent with what was proposed back in August um, by the city's engineering department for 2024 projects. Um, again, the 17 projects are identified here. And then the following slide shows the 2024 to 2028 pavement management program, again, consistent with what the engineering department had presented to council back in August. Looking at the, the parks section, um, it's just over $12 million over the five-year period for the construction of trails, open space, shelters, playground equipment, athletic lighting, and other facilities to provide equitable amenities that are inviting, clean, and interconnected. Uh, most notably, Aquator Park uh, Bandshell is anticipated to be completed in 2024 at a price of um, nearly $4 million. And then notable 2024 projects in includes um, improvement of 1.8 miles of city trails, a Jim Peterson Field and hockey lighting, um, as well as the uh, uh, park playground replacement at uh, several parks. Looking at utility infrastructure, again, representing the largest section of the, the city's uh, capital investment over the next five years as proposed. Um, it's dedicated to maintaining safe, reliable, and cost-effective utilities, including the city's water, sanitary, sewer, and stormwater systems. Uh, significant portions of public utilities are located underground and are considered for um, reconstruction or improvement in conjunction with, conjunction with the city's pavement management program. So that's the water main, storm sewer drainage, and sanitary pipe. Um, notable projects upcoming include the potential for a new water treatment plant. Um, in 2024, there's scheduled for five sanitary sewer lift stations uh, to be rehabbed and storm outlet uh, replacements, pond improvements, and, and some structure improvements as well. Then finally, moving on to capital equipment, um, which is, is used to fund all of the city's vehicle and equipment needs. Um, so this proactive replacement is essential in maintaining responsible um, response times for the city's core services, including police, fire, and public works. Um, the city maintains over 580 pieces of rolling stock, which doesn't include the equipment that's funded and maintains uh, for SPM, SBM fire. And then some of the factors that are considered by staff when providing recommendations include the overall condition, downtime, and availability of replacement parts and costs of maintenance and repairs. So with that, the, the action items for council um, uh, is deliberation, discussions, and comments. And then at the conclusion, uh, staff is requesting council um, adopt the attached resolution for the capital improvement pro program, as well as authorizing the 24 projects and purchases. And with that, I'll stand for any questions. Excellent, thank you, Director Zimmerman. Another fantastic presentation. Uh, members, uh, let's get a motion first on the 24 to 28 capital improvement program. Move it. Moved by Council Member Newland. Second by Council Member Fleming. All right, questions or discussion? Council Member Robertson. 
Thank you, Mayor. Just really quickly so the public knows, I mean, this was probably the one issue that we spent the most amount of time on. When we talk about 500 pieces of equipment, that equates to almost $40 million. That's actual vehicles. That's not facilities. That's not any of the other things. And I mean, I do want to thank Nick, our public works director, for letting me hang out at Public Works. He brought out the biggest pieces of paper I've ever seen in my life. And we went line by line through 587 pieces of equipment and I did the same thing with Michelle and Jason for the equipment asks when staff puts in a request for a piece of equipment they have to tell us why how old is the current piece of equipment what purpose will it serve what will it cost us if we don't do it how is the vehicle going to be repurposed can it be auctioned what revenue can the city receive from that item so these are things that we spend a lot of time on because again our responsibility is to be great stewards of your taxpayer dollars the city is ginormous and again the equipment needs that public works has based on the scale of our our city 34 square miles is a lot of road that's a lot of road uh, 67 parks hundreds and hundreds of acres I think what do we have 1400 acres of open space altogether some of that the city maintains so that's fancy lawnmowers so I mean we did scrutinize this we went through line by line so again I know we're beating the same drum here but I really want to appreciate the investment of time that staff had. Thank you for being open to hear our questions because we did push you all pretty hard. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Other questions or comments? Seeing and hearing none, Councilmember Newland renews his motion adopting the 2024 to 2028 Capital Improvement Program. All those in favor of that motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. Next item up is agenda item 11.4, and we will go back to Director Zimmerman. Thank you, Mayor and Council. Uh, this item is consistent with prior comments that were made during the Truth and Taxation meeting, I believe, by Council Members Masolia and Robertson. Um, but this item is a request to transfer, uh, uh, transfer and budget amendment for the Strategic Priorities Fund to the City's Park and Trails Fund. Um, during discussion regarding the 2024 uh, budget and tax levy, um, council provided a recommendation to potentially explore utilizing the strategic priorities fund in lieu of property taxes to fund the city's 2024 playground replacements and trail maintenance. Um, a little background on the city's strategic priorities fund, which was established in 2019. Um, the policy really outlines um, two primary purposes for utilization of this funding. Um, those two items are um, for uh, specific items that are of high priority um, in accomplishing the city's established uh, strategic activities, as well as a supplement in levy, levy stabilizing funding source, which uh, staff believes that this item uh, fulfills both of those, those uh, uh, purposes. Um, so with that, I will stand for any questions. Thank you very much, Director Zimmerman. Appreciate that presentation as well. And I think this is your last item on the council agenda. So again, just wanna thank you and your team for all of your work uh, these last few months that get us to this point this evening. Members of motion, please, on 11.4. Move it. Second. Moved by council member Newland, second by council member Masolia. All right, any questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none, all of those in favor of that motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails.
Next item on the agenda is agenda item 11.5. And with that, we will send this agenda item to our city manager. Thank you, Mayor. This item is for the renewal of contracts for both prosecution and civil legal services with the firm of Eckberg and Lammers. Their current contracts, which were five-year contracts, will end on December 31st, 2023. Back in 2018, a request for proposals process was conducted. Multiple proposals were received, and at the time, um, council uh, appointed Eckberg Lammers as the uh, firm to provide those services. Eckberg Lammers has submitted a proposal for three-year renewals of these two contracts for prosecution and civil services commencing on January 1, 2024 through December 31st, 2026. Prosecution proposal requests a 3% increase each year of the contract. And the 2023 fee for, <clears throat> I'm sorry, the... Um, Civil legal services has a hybrid agreement which includes a monthly retainer with an hourly rate. There are certain services covered under the retainer, others that are covered through an hourly rate charge. And the hourly rate is dependent on the type of services required. So the two agreements are uh, attached to the agenda item and explain all of the fees in greater detail so there was a chance to review that information. This was discussed by council at the workshop last week. And at the time, there was um, consensus to place these on the agenda this evening for formal action. And with that, I will answer any questions. Thank you very much, Manager Wolf. Uh, members in motion, please, on agenda item 11.5. Move it. Moved second. by Council Member Newland, second by Council Member Masolia. Any questions or discussion? Council Member Masolia. I'll just say thank you to Eckberg Lammers. I've uh, really appreciated our working relationship, even going back to, to Chris Nelson and uh, Attorney Lunin. You've been doing a great job. So I just want to say thank you for your partnership and your sound legal advice to the city of Blaine. It's, it's been appreciated. Any other questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none. All those in favor of the motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. All right, that completes the items on the agenda this evening. I do want to take a moment and say uh, a big thank you to all of our city staff this year. It's been uh, an amazing year. It's been a great year. It's been a challenging year. Uh, but we want to thank all staff for all the work uh, that they've been doing all year. Uh, and on behalf of council, what we'd like to do is extend one, one day uh, off this year, Tuesday, December 26th just an additional gift and thank you uh, to all city staff that worked so hard uh, all throughout the year. And so uh, that would be my motion. I'll have the city clerk put it uh, in proper order uh, for the record. Um, but uh, I would make the motion that um, we close city hall and give uh, staff December 26, which is a Tuesday uh, off this year. And I would accept a second. Second by council member Robertson. Any questions or discussion to that motion? All right, seeing and hearing none. All those in favor of that motion, please say aye. 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 Those that are opposed, that motion prevails. All right, we've got an EDA meeting up next. I'll accept a motion to adjourn. Moved and seconded. All those in favor of adjournment, please say aye. 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 Opposed, that motion prevails. City Council is adjourned for the final time this year. Good evening, we will call the Blaine Economic Development Authority to order.
the meeting of December 18, 2023. And the clerk will take the roll. Commissioners Fleming? Here. Larson? Here. Masolia? Here. Newland? Here. Robertson? Soroya? Here. May, uh, President Sanders? Here. <clears throat> Brenda Trust Everyone's had a chance to remove, uh, review the minutes from November 20th. I will accept a motion on approval of the minutes from November 20, 2023. Move it. Moved by Council Member Newland. Second. Second by Commissioner Masolia, Commissioner Newland. Any questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor of approval of the minutes of November 20th, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. Next item on the agenda is agenda item four, and that is a public hearing. And we'll turn things over to our development director. Thank you, President Sanders and board members. So this is a public hearing and action item related to a request by Chandler Industries and the City of Blaine EDA to the Minnesota Investment Fund. And Chandler Industries is a new business to the City of Blaine. They've consolidated their headquarters in the new Blaine 35 project, which is located at Connor Road J and 35W. So we are welcome and glad to have them as a part of our community. They filled an entire building in the Blaine 35 project and brought many new jobs to Blaine, which is great. And fortunately, they're already expanding. And as a result of that, they're looking to purchase some new equipment to fulfill various contracts that they have. So they're looking at doing over a million dollars of new equipment purchases for this expansion. This expansion will also result in the increase of 10 jobs. So they've been working with the state of Minnesota through the Depart or De Department of Employment and Economic Development to identify potential funding sources to allow for this capital expenditure. And there's a program called the Minnesota Investment Fund that's available for industrial businesses to either purchase real estate or acquire equipment, do expansions. And this program meets the requirement, or the, this um, effort meets the, the program requirements set forth by the state of Minnesota. So the request is in the amount of $320,000. The program does require, I believe, a 50% private investment, and it does, they're exceeding that amount. Um, and again, that $320,000 loan would be from the state of Minnesota. The City of Blaine Economic Development Authority essentially acts as a pass-through, where we receive the dollars, provide those to the business. There's some administration where we collect money from the business and pay the state. Um, for those of you on council, if you recall, we did this exact same loan and program with General Pattern. Uh, they purchased some new real estate down actually just south of where they're at. Um, and we've been, I think, managing that for three or four years. So it's a, a program that we've utilized before. Uh, General Pattern was extremely appreciative of being able to do this. Uh, what it does is it provides another funding source at a lower interest rate than they may ultimately get by going and going or by getting either equity financing or bank financing. So the state of Minnesota does identify that the city does have the ability to set the interest rate. I find that somewhat awkward, but that's what the state does allow. And they can set it between 0 and 3%, and the business did request 0%. I will note that if there was an interest rate attached to it, the interest rate collected or the interest collected would be split between the state of Minnesota and EDA. Um, what we did with General Pattern is because of their job creation, we actually could forgive up to 20% of that loan. And this particular business isn't generating enough jobs to, to cross that threshold, so there isn't a forgivable amount. But we can offer a 0% loan um, as a, another incentive for them to take advantage of this program. So it's a seven-year term. 
Um, again, this money would come from the state of Minnesota. The city of Blaine would act as a pass-through. If for some reason there is a default on this, the city of Blaine Economic Development Authority is not um, liable to repay the state. I think essentially what they would do is repossess any equipment, um, but we would not be responsible for paying back that loan if the business for some reason is not able to do that. So deed does require a public hearing for this request, and then there is an application that requires support by the EDA that the business will be submitting. We have two representatives here from Channel Industries that can introduce themselves and talk about their company. Uh, but with that, President Sanders, uh, I'm asking that the EDA hold a public hearing, and then there's a resolution for the EDA to consider. Excellent. Thank you very much, Director Thorvig. Appreciate that. We'll follow the same uh, suit here. We will open up a public hearing on agenda item 4.1 and ask if there's anybody here in the audience today that wishes to participate in the public hearing on agenda item 4.1. All right, seeing no one, uh, we'll close the public hearing on agenda item 4.1 and commissioners, I'll accept a motion. Move it. Moved by Commissioner Newland, second by Commissioner Masolia. Any questions or discussion? Seeing and oh, Commissioner Robertson. Thank you. It's really just a comment in that thank you for choosing the city of Lane. Uh, I mean, there are a bazillion cities that you could choose to do business with. So thank you and how exciting that you're already in a position to grow. And that's an incredible asset to our community. And so thank you for choosing our city. And I'm glad that we're happy to form a partnership and kind of help address some of those additional financial fun things as you do go through that growth process. So thank you. We're proud to be. Excellent, thank you. All right, with that being said, Commissioner Newland renews his motion. All those in favor of that motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. On to new business, and we'll go to Director Thorvig for agenda item 5.1. All right, thank you, President Sanders and board members. This is a action to amend an existing purchase agreement that was approved by the EDA on August 21st, 2023 for 10550 Radisson Street and then a lease agreement with that business after closing of the property. So as the EDA may recall, on August 21st, a purchase agreement was approved for property at 10550 Radisson. This is where Dusty's truck repair is. And staff had been working with them since April and reaching out to gauge their interest in a potential sale of their property as part of our 105th redevelopment area. As you're aware, the EDA has been acquiring property in that area for many years as we prepare for redevelopment. So at that August meeting, we did have an approved upon purchase price, and that was um, approved by the EDA. However, since then, the property owner came back to staff and requested an additional amount to that original agreed-upon purchase price. And the City Council, acting as the EDA, held a closed session on November 20th to discuss and react to the proposal that the business had provided and directed staff to increase the sale price from $1.683 million to $1744,200. Um, so we have an increase of approximately $61,000. Uh, after that closed session, that offer was made to the business, and they accepted it, and um, that does require an amendment to that original purchase agreement, so that is the action, part of the action related to the purchase agreement. In addition to that, just some terms of the purchase agreement closing would be set for January 31st, 2024. Uh, some of the dates in that original purchase agreement had to be amended um, given the, the delay in, in ultimately agreeing upon the agreement, so um, the closing date would be January 31st, 2024. 
In addition to that, the business in our discussions has a desire to remain at that location for a period of time. And they've identified that the winter months are their busiest and that if they were to move, they would prefer to do that in the summertime. So like we did with Blake Drilling, which was just to the north of them, we have the ability to lease back to them the property for a period of time while they um, relocate if they choose to do so. And the lease agreement does identify allowing them to stay at the property until June 30th, 2024. And this should be sufficient for their summer timeline that they identified. Uh, the agreement does allow for 30-day extensions beyond that. Uh, we wouldn't anticipate the master developer starting that quickly on that part of the 105th development, so there may be some flexibility if they need to stay longer. Uh, those 30-day periods are mutually agreed upon, so they can request it, and the EDA would have to allow it. Um, so that does allow some additional flexibility to the business if they need to stay there longer, and we don't have an immediate need for any development on that property. As was the terms for the Blake drilling property, uh, the lease back would be for $1.00 and they would be responsible for any maintenance and utilities. And then during that time, the EDA would be responsible for any property taxes. Um, so with that said, uh, there is an action and resolution before you to approve the amended purchase agreement and lease agreement for this property. And with that, President Sanders, I'll hand it back for any questions. Thank you, Director Thorvig. Uh, commissioners, a motion please on 5.1. Move it. Moved by Commissioner Robertson, seconded by Commissioner Newland. Any questions or discussion? Commissioner Soroya. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I just want to say for the record, I will be a no vote on this and anything else that's related to the 105th Sports Entertainment District and Baseball Stadium due to pending um, and ongoing conflict of interest concerns for my constituents. Any other questions or discussion? Seeing and hearing none, all those in favor of that motion, please say aye. 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 Opposed? No. That motion prevails. Next item is agenda item 5.2. We'll go to Director Zimmerman. Thank you, President and Board members. Um, back on September 18th, the Board adopted a preliminary 2024 EDA tax levy at $1 million, which was then used to generate the proposed property tax statements that were distributed by Anoka and Ramsey counties in the middle of November. Um, this evening, staff is asking the Board to consider adopting the final 2024 EDA property tax levy at that same $1 million amount. Prior to the board taking action on this agenda item, um, staff has prepared a brief presentation outlining the EDA's um, programs and activities. And also as a reminder, the final levy may not exceed the preliminary figure that was adopted um, back in September. So with that, um, just a brief discussion regarding the EDA, its background services, programs, and budget, and then also uh, the next steps that staff is requesting of the board. So with that, just some background on the EDA. Um, the Blaine EDA was established in, in 1988. It's comprised of the seven city council members. Um, the powers and laws are identified by Minnesota State Statutes 469. And the primary powers of the EDA are the authority to set a levy, issue uh, bonds, uh, purchase, and sell property for the development and redevelopment purposes of the city, to promote, promote, the, uh, uh, to promote businesses and recruit, recruit new businesses, um, uh, to serve as a financial partner, 
Um, also, the creation of tax increment financing districts and other financial mechanisms to spur development and redevelopment and carry out the marketing and promotional efforts of the city. So some background on, on Blaine's businesses. Um, again, the, the, the Blaine has a, a very strong commercial and industrial base that was previously outlined in the city's um, truth and taxation meeting this evening. Um, Blaine's home to nearly 1,400 businesses, including Aveda and Infinite Campus and the Northtown Shopping Mall. Um, over 24,000 people are employed by businesses located within the city of Blaine. Um, there are 11 industrial parks, and Blaine is also home of the Anoka County uh, Blaine Airport, which is the metro's metro area's busiest reliever airport. So some of the EDA services, um, again, assisting developers in identifying potential sites, uh, business retention and expansion visits, um, the coordination of redevelopment needs, providing information about Blaine's uh, development activity, identifying, identifying private and uh, public development financing options, uh, coordinating city approvals for development activity, and providing staff support to the, the Blaine EDA as well as the City Council. And then some of the initiatives that are outlined in the 2024 budget include the 3M tournament, city monument signs, um, as well as some economic development programs, including um, the fire, suppr fire suppression grant, the Blaine Business Appreciation Day, um, as well as targeted redevelopment. So this slide is just a depiction of the city's um, detailed revenues and expenditures, just noting um, on the bottom section, those operating expenditures, again, a number of uh, dollars being focused towards the EDA's goals and mission around um, development programs that were noted on the previous slide. Important to notice uh, or note this year, the, uh, the tax impact on the median value single family home is a reduction of approximately 11.65%. Uh, um, this is really a result of the levy remaining flat and increase, increases in new construction um, uh, across the city, changes in property classification. But again, the, the overall tax bill for the, the Blaine EDA is estimated to decrease by 11.65%. So then finally, just the, the action items, um, the, the board to deliberate, discuss, and comment. And then finally, um, staff's requesting the, the board consider the resolution adopting the 2024 EDA fund uh, budget and property tax levy as uh, provided. And with that, I'll stand for any questions. Thank you very much, Director Zimmerman. Commissioners, a motion please on 5.2. Moved by Commissioner Fleming, second by Commissioner Masolia. Any questions or discussion? All right, seeing and hearing none. All those in favor of that motion on agenda item 5.2, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. Director Thorvig, anything else? All right, with that, members, I'll entertain a motion to adjourn. Move it. Moved and seconded. All those in favor of adjournment, please say aye. 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 Opposed? That motion prevails. The EDA is adjourned.